0: All right, it is Tuesday. You know what that means. Uh, Another episode of the StewCast. Uh, Later on, we've got our best friend in the world, Sean Belize, and he's going to come on, talk about the horrific uh, uh, job the Red Wings are doing and and the new changes for the Detroit Football Lions. But first and foremost, uh, this is a guest I'm really excited to talk to if you're not schooled up on what the three-man weave is you are a stupid person um i'm pretty much he's nodding he's (laughs) nodding i'm
1: I'm, I'm laughing i'm laughing
0: (laughs) he's a tiger from mizzou he is none other than jim root jim really cool to talk to you uh and and thank you for coming on
1: yeah yeah happy to be here i Maybe I should stick around for the Detroit Lions football talk. I don't know if it'll make me feel better about my Packers collapse or not. So it, we,
0: we, it's I'll, I'll, I'll save you. I'll, you know, uh, Cliff Notes version. It, it, we're in another rebuild. So yeah, you got Dan this, Campbell, baby. He, he's the dude on his nameplate, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh God, three man weave. I got introduced to you guys uh, through Big Man on Basketball and uh, Jeff uh, Naidu. Uh, the guy, the talk that you guys go through is like really enjoyable. It's, it's my favorite part of the week. Kai's going to be on uh, tomorrow, uh, but a rotating cast. And you guys are just, you guys know what the hell you're doing. And then you got some fire merch. I got to get, I'm copping that gray three-man weave with the court. Like that, that throwback shirt is is sick. What is the three-man weave and and where can we find it?
1: We are college basketball obsessives is really the best way to put it. Uh, A couple of buddies that just started talking college basketball and and bonded over a love of the the lit up Ken Palm pages. Some, you know, super efficient players got all the numbers on his Ken Palm page. We get excited about that. Uh, I went to college with one of the guys and he and the third guy uh, grew up together. So just kind of all came together, met through each other and Started out just a website and then I moved to Chicago where they both lived, became a podcast as well. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to be everywhere you look for college basketball stuff. We, uh, we have our own website, 3-man-weave.com. We're on Twitter at 3MW underscore CBB and we're writing to plenty of different places, whether it's Action Network, like you said, we're, we're going on uh, Jeff Nadeau's podcast on Big Man on Basketball, usually once every two weeks or so uh, we'll get one of the guys on there and You know, just anywhere we're allowed to talk hoops, we are willing to uh, jump on and and express our opinion, which is why I'm glad to be here.
0: Folks, you need to log on to 3manweave.com, 3-man-weave.com. When you get there and you start reading the the previews, now I've become a huge SOCON fan, uh, Southland Conference, uh, just uh, based off your write-ups. I mean, I find myself watching Citadel, Furman, and, uh, you know, ETSU playing against UNC Greensboro, and that's, I'm, I'm sick now in the head, but the <laughs> no, write-ups you no, guys do. it's a do, great conference. It's a great conference. <laughs> I, I do love the SOCON. Um, it, it, the write-ups you guys do, I mean, they are seriously in-depth. I mean, I, I bought, I, I feel bad now. I bought a, one of the college basketball Athlon and no, not trying to throw shade, but I just want to read up on some of these teams. Your in-depth review is uh, a little bit different. How long do these reviews, uh, you know, take you and,
1: and are, are they like, are they free? Or are they pay? Uh, Yeah. The the website's all free. Everything we do on there is free. The previews, that was kind of like our original project was let's, let's write up a preview of every, every team in the country. Maybe that'll make us stand out a little bit and it's just gotten more and more in depth as the years have gone. They, they, I would say each one, especially in the big conferences when we're doing our top 40 and we're doing like standalone previews for each team that, I mean, it takes a couple hours of research and at least an hour to write Uh, when we get towards the lower conferences, it's usually about an hour per team, but, it, it's it's definitely a time investment i mean we each write like 115 to 120 teams so you add up the hours there and it, it gets it gets kind of insane so yeah i mean it's it's a labor of love but it, it has helped us get into a little more of the college basketball space and we're, we're pushing to make it careers we're not quite there yet but we're trying
0: i hope man it, it's seriously great check them out i'm copping the swag the swag's fire yes Uh, so i want to start here we're going to take a look at a couple of the games for for today's slate uh not go crazy with it it's not the world's greatest card um just like you know as we're taping this uh today's 16 game slate really took a hit with texas southern postponing And and oh
1: the people were clamoring for that one
0: i uh yeah, I wanted to see how Texas Southern would do in the devil's Den, but well, I guess we'll have to wait. Uh, so my first question to you, okay, let's say you just got out of a big e-contest and it's your biggest e-contest <laughs> in the world. Uh, so So Duke is, I mean, it is a mess this year. And I think a lot of people have been talking about how Duke and Kentucky, North Carolina really hasn't been Um, anything in Kansas is slipping, three straight conference losses. The big Titans are falling. Uh, What's your take? Is there, is there a cohesive reason why, or is it just all separate reasons?
1: To me, it's more so separate. I, I think the Duke and Kentucky one's pretty tied together because both recruiting classes are not the top, top shelf, which they've been in the past. You know, usually, those two are basically sharing the top five recruits in the country, and this year they're at Oklahoma State, USC, and Florida State instead of going to Duke and UNC. So they're getting five-star guys, but if you know, you're getting the 12th best guy, that's there's usually a huge drop-off from the first and second to the, the 11th and 12th best guys. So the, the talent level is not quite there. Um, Some of the guys that came back for Duke have not gotten better to where I thought they would. Like Wendell Moore has not improved. He's still kind of a a garbage basketball player at this point, Kentucky really had no returners, so they couldn't rely on anybody. They brought in a couple of transfers too. It does seem like, I mean, just, this is just anecdotally. I haven't really done like a correlation between returning minutes and success so far this year, but it feels like some of those teams that turned everything over are struggling and there's, I'll, I'll throw a little shade at Coach K here. He has not done the same level of coaching in recent years with his teams. It's been a lot of, I will overwhelm you with talent. Offensively, we'll just spread out. And we'll let R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson attack one-on-one because no one can guard them. And when he doesn't have those guys that are complete matchup nightmares like this season, and, and there's also not the degree of offensive continuity that some of his teams had in like the early 2000s and 2010s, then, yeah, I mean, you get a mess like it is this year. And it's, I think most college basketball fans are kind of enjoying it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, you really hate to see it. Uh, <laughs> Coach K, uh, I've never been a fan. I think I think he's, uh, you know, allegedly there's stories out there, allegedly. Same like uh, Coach Calipari, allegedly there's stories. But when, when you look at Kentucky specifically as well, I mean, this is a team that really doesn't hit the three. They're not, they're not great from the free throw line. Again, doing the same thing as you mentioned with Duke, but out of all those teams, I feel like Kentucky's like actually on the rise, just watching them play LSU. I don't know if that's a credit to the fact LSU is a very streaky team uh, that just, uh, they throw it up, they throw it up in the air. And if they, if they're missing, it's bad times, but do you, do you feel like Kentucky's the team out of those four mentioned that are moving up or, or is it a Kansas or North Carolina?
1: There's certainly probably the team that's I would, North Carolina has a chance to go upward with Anthony Harris, the, the, the wing who tours ACL. He's played three games. I think he's only played like 11 minutes tops in any of them. He could make a real difference. He might be the best guard on that team. So I'll, I'll give an open-ended possibly Carolina answer, but with regards to Kentucky, Yeah, I mean they they played a tough schedule early. They had zero returners because Keon Brooks was hurt. I I, it's been a little bit schedule dependent. Yeah, LSU their defense is is terrible. But the weird thing with them is they didn't have shooting, but they had Dante Allen sitting on the bench for like the first three weeks of the year. And I went back and found some quotes from I think a Sea of Blue is a Kentucky blog and there's a write-up that was like, how are they not playing Tante Allen? Like the fans were on this right away. It was like, we need scoring. And he is a scorer. And Calipari was like quoted as saying, Oh, you know, I got to give the guys on the court a chance first. It's he should be getting more flack for burying his best offensive player. The guy that's basically vaulting them forward offensively right now. It doesn't, it's crazy to me that he's almost getting a pass for that. Like, I think people are just too busy dancing about the fact that Kentucky is five and nine to really be digging into the why. And he, he deserves some real blame for that.
0: I, uh, another team, you just, you just hate to see it. Uh, the SEC is so, the SEC to me, I treat it like, you know, I watched three conferences where, where I really earned my keep. And that's the SWAC, the SOCON and the SEC, They've been very uh, predictive, predictable. I guess I, you should you could say. I at least I've found this year that, you know, if LSU's playing Georgia, they're going to score eight hundred points. It's going <laughs> to turn into an NBA game. If Mississippi State's playing Ole Miss, they're going to struggle to get to fifty uh, a piece. Is is basketball this season? Have you found it to be a little bit more? predictable or are these back back back-to-backs are they are they causing you guys a whole whole host of problems
1: it it kind of varies I would like the back-to-backs we've kind of started to get I don't want to say a feel for because they're they're still challenging I mean some of them will go in completely random directions obviously games still have their wild swings based on who's making threes and who's not uh, which we often often complain about but you know that's that's neither here nor there uh, the thing that's made it really tough to predict this year is the random COVID absences, which when there's already not a ton of reporting on some of the teams to add that element to, you know, the past tracking injuries, because we, we try to stay up to date on all 357 or all 348, however many are playing this year because of the IV and, and certain other schools taking off. But it's so hard to find injury news just from the start, but then to throw in how difficult it is to find the COVID absences and the, the schools don't want to comment on that. So you don't know how long it's going to be. Not
0: to of, mention all the cryptic tweets you got to read.
1: Yeah, yeah. Alabama's one that they keep saying guys are out with a medical condition. Like <laughs> Quinterly and, and James Rojas have both missed games for that. And I, I mean, I guess I have to assume it's COVID and and, and they're out because they were a contact and they are getting contact traced, but we don't know. And you can't make them say anymore because of all the, the privacy rules. So it's just like. Sometimes you'll bet in a game, you'll feel good about it, and oh, two of the guys that you counted on are out. And there's no explanation. You don't know when they're back, and you just have to kind of shrug it off. It's, it's been a, a challenge, but, you know, that's part of the season.
0: I've got a, I've got a question on uh, betting and, and how we look at those games coming up. But, but I, I still wanted to get your opinion on something. And, and this is a conference that I don't think anybody knows what the hell's going on still, and that's the Big Ten. Uh, I I feel like at this point, just throw a dart at a board and and maybe you'll hit something. Michigan, I I recognize the talent. Am I wrong in thinking that they get get Wisconsin potters out though and Wisconsin on the road, Big Ten teams on the road just usually don't perform up to snuff. They just caught lightning in a bottle that one night. Then they go on the road and lose to a pretty bad Minnesota team. It, what, Iowa loses at home to Indiana. They still don't play defense. Illinois re, relying on two guys. Wisconsin, all the guys are almost getting AARP cards. What, <laughs> who, what the hell is
1: going on? What happened to Rutgers, too? Rutgers used to be oh, something. What's it. going on in the Big Ten? Man, I I wish I could answer this. If, coming into the season, we were this, our big, one of our biggest takes as a group was that There's no top 10 team in the big 10. Like this is a super competitive league from, you know, for probably nationally, we had, I think nine teams between 15 and 30. We were like, that's, that's where all these teams are. They're clustered. They're even. And then, you know, Iowa plays pretty well early. We're like, we we start to have to kind of tip the cap to Iowa and Wisconsin. We're like, Oh, maybe they're top 10 teams, but then yeah. Iowa loses at home to Indiana. Wisconsin loses at home to Maryland. And now Ohio state as well. And it's like, maybe we were right. Maybe all these teams are just going to beat each other up. No one's really going to rise above the rest. I thought maybe Michigan could, Michigan could do that, but yeah, the loss at they kind of got rolled at Minnesota and now they're off for two weeks. They they're just completely on the sidelines because of the the new strain that's going on up there with, with COVID. So yeah, I don't really know what to make of it. I think, Michigan's probably a top 10 team, so I've, I've come off that preseason take a little bit, and they're probably the best team in the league, with Iowa maybe close behind. And you could possibly excuse that Indiana loss because C.J. Frederick didn't play the second half. They needed a shooting, but I still think it's just mostly a conference of really good teams versus legitimately great national title contenders up near the Villanovas and then even the Gonzaga-Baylor tier.
0: Yeah, I mean, you bring up Gonzaga and Baylor, and I've been a real proponent throughout the season so far that I I just don't – I think between the two of them, maybe in regular season you get one loss between the two of them. Gonzaga ain't losing. Maybe Baylor loses to Texas. I know they got a big big set of games against Auburn and uh, then Texas, I think, right afterwards. Uh, By the way, while I have you here and while we're on the subject – a good friend of this show, uh, my buddy, the Bobcat, he uh, he texted me last night and he said, I'm taking Auburn over Baylor. Uh, he I, he wasn't drunk, I, I verified. <laughs> uh, what do you put that game at? If you were just thinking, Baylor goes to Auburn, uh, Baylor lay in, what, and we're going to hit the over at like 212, right? Two
1: twelve, yeah, it's a, it's an NBA line there. Yeah, um, yeah. Off the top of my head, I think I'd probably have it around Baylor minus seven and a half, seven seven, something like that, um, and probably too low at this point with the way Auburn's playing with Cooper. But I, I'm still giving Baylor a ton of respect. I, I do think when they look across the court and feel challenged, they can just get to a level that only can only, only Gonzaga can reach. Uh, like the the first thirty minutes of Oklahoma State it was like ah they're playing with them there's no Kate Cunningham they they clearly don't feel pushed and then Jared Butler flips a switch he hits three straight threes they end up winning by almost twenty it's like they they can just kind of get to that extra level against Auburn though I mean Cooper's just been so good he he might be the kind of lightning in a bottle maestro that could give them problems although it does help to have Davion Mitchell probably the best like one on one on ball defender in the country but. Man, kind of. I think is Auburn allowing fans a little bit now too? Yeah,
0: it's the plains. Anything goes. It's like okay. Thunder Dome
1: down there. <laughs>
0: I imagine there's some fans. I, yeah, yeah,
1: so that probably helps a little bit. Gives give them just that added edge in the environment. I, I just gut would probably lean towards Auburn with the points, uh, taking the points there. But man, it, it's he, so hard to bet against straight Baylor. up. Straight yeah. up. Wow. I tip of the cap to him. I don't have. I don't have the <laughs> stone.
0: Okay. Fair enough. That's what I said. Uh, but yeah, these two teams are just so heads above the rest. Is there a, a team that you think is right on the cusp of joining the two? Or is there a mid-major team that you think could knock them off? And by the way, uh, you don't have to do a wellness check on Kai. They they did cover the under.
1: Oh, phew. The <laughs> Southern Indiana stayed under, folks. Yeah. It stayed under. It's it huge.
0: stayed under. Thank God. <laughs>
1: Uh, let's see. I I think Villanova could get close to that level if Brian Antoine and Demir Cosby Roundtree ever get healthy and on the court and kind of bring extra elements of like wing athleticism for Antoine and then interior defense for Cosby Roundtree. But that's that's a pretty huge if right now. The the one team I really like that I think is gonna probably not get the love it deserves just because of the conference they play in is Houston. They're they're playing against a league that while not quite wcc bad it's lining up pretty well for only one bid and so if you're not beating any other conference or any other ncaa tournament teams from january through march people are probably naturally going to just kind of shrug you off even if they are winning by 15 to 30 points every time out but they defend they've got really skilled guards a deep court, spike caleb mills transferring and they're just physical they they will battle with whether it's Baylor, whether it's Gonzaga, they will battle and make things difficult. So I I think that's a team that could make a a potential final four run. And then like you get them on on the court in Indianapolis against one of those two and who knows, maybe they pull off a crazy upset.
0: I I think you guys were talking a few weeks ago uh, on the big man on basketball podcast about like some other teams that, that are in that, um, that tier of of mid-majors looking forward, projecting like those one 16 2 15 matchups, which is like bread and butter. I never liked them before, but I feel like this year i like after, after the first weekend, I'm going to be like, eh, I'm not interested anymore. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I wonder like teams like a Winthrop who looks like they're going to just run away with the big South uh, whoever comes out of the SOCON, I thought it was going to be Furman, might be Mercer now. They, they look like they're getting it together. ETSU on the board, who knows some of these smaller conferences that are, you know, mid-majors being a very, you know, nice. Is there a team out there that you look at and go, man, if this team was in a bigger conference, they'd be doing some hurt.
1: I mean, winthrop's a great great call there i mean they they're super deep they've got some kind of unconventional players or point guards like a six seven white dude number 52 when, that puts when i was tri- watching them
0: tri- against presbyterian i was like what in the hell are they doing letting the power forward run up the ball yeah. like this
1: weird it's crazy he put he was like a d2 transfer that had a bunch of triple doubles at walsh university and now he's kind of running through the socon it's
0: walsh, isn't that in michigan
1: I, it might be. I think hey, so. Hey,
0: shout I, out. Now Now I got a new team. There we go. There we
1: go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think Winthrop's a great answer. They play super fast. That Playing super fast kind of hurts as one of these underdogs because it increases the possessions, which gives you for a, a better chance for the talent to kind of bear out. So, usually you look for, like, slower teams for these upsets. But a, another fast team that's very fun that I know got brought up a ton on big man on basketball early in the season was Bryant. Yeah. And... You mentioned earlier that I am a Missouri Tiger. I looked at a bracketology the other day that had us as a two seed and Bryant as the 15 seed. And all I could think about was the, the loss to Norfolk State in 2012 that oh. was one of the worst moments in Missouri Tiger history. But Bryant has that kind of offensive firepower. They can spread you out. They can shoot. They're going to they're gonna run with you. So they're maybe not a super terrifying, like, underdog just because of that high possession thing but they're good enough offensively that if they get hot they can hit 14 threes in the game and suddenly the the favorite's in trouble
0: yeah i and and here's what i wanted to ask you uh what i referenced earlier so a lot of folks in michigan in pennsylvania wherever you may be however you may be doing it um you know folks are getting out there and they're betting you know, it's becoming more open and, and people are trying it. And I know last year uh, I, I, I did horribly. I did the eye test. Well, this team beat that team and I didn't look at pace and I didn't look at free throws and three-point percentage. And I didn't stick to any con- – I was just every conference, whatever. Um, it, is there, like, very fundamental things because college – college basketball is a very different game that you're betting as opposed to college football or hockey or basketball, NBA even. Um, what are some things people need to know before they're they're putting their money on the line?
1: It, it, this is a tough thing to, to ask of people for, you know, all of college basketball, but if you do pick certain leagues that you follow or, or certain teams, the thing that kind of made the cha- made the difference for us to go from we're doing this for fun with betting to now I, I, I make money off it and have done well for three straight years is having a number on, on each game and having a, a rating for the team, which is, it's really hard to start. It's hard to figure out where to start from that. Usually kind of, I would tell people to go to like Ken Palm and Bart Torvik and use those ratings to kind of develop one. But in the past I would get into trouble. Cause I'd be like, Oh, I like this team here, betting them but it wasn't, there wasn't any tie to like a number. Whereas right now I make a spread on a game. If I make it minus six, I'm just not going to bet minus seven. Even if I really like the team minus seven, I think it's a good spot, but I, I, it just doesn't to me mathematically make sense uh, with with like the distribution of outcomes or whatever that would come from having a number. So if you can on the games that that you really want to bet on and follow, try to make a number and, and, bet that as well as the matchup and the the eye test and stuff where you can have a point that you won't go past. It sounds kind of silly to be like, well, if you liked it at minus five, why don't you like it at minus six? But if you're betting a lot of games in, in basketball, you kind of want the the best number possible over a large distribution of games that, that was the big difference maker for us but I, I understand that it's hard to ask people to do that we're we're freaks we, we have 350 ratings i can't i can't recommend people trying to do that
0: <laughs> you know you know what's interesting about that too is is that it, uh, we we cover a lot of horse racing on this show and it's a very similar concept to you know creating your own odds your own lines and, and finding value. And that's, cause that's a much harder, much different game to, to go win money at and be even remotely successful at. Uh, yeah. I have, and, I have a
1: buddy who's a big horse racing better. And he tries to walk me through the sheet for the on, on Kentucky Derby day. And I'm just like, man, just say a horse name. Cause I'm, I can't follow this. <laughs> yeah. Impressive.
0: Look, Hey, we got Stony Brook sacred heart popping off any moment.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's the stuff I know. That's, hey, that's my comfort zone. Sacred center. Heart, right? Yeah, yeah, in the second game. They've been great in second game, the <laughs> back-to-back. <laughs> um,
0: also, I got one question before we get into some games here. A uh, good friend of mine, he, he, he does an algorithm. He does his stuff, and, you know, he's shooting me, like, you know, take the under Indiana State, take the under in Southern Alabama State, what have you. Um, he's come up with the idea that, you know, these scores in, in the NEC, in the MiAC in, you know, what have you, the, the, the over-unders are flipping, the, the lines are flipping, Patriot League, we see it, you know, this past week in Loyola, Maryland, loses by one, they blow the cover against uh, American, the next day they beat them by five, Overs, unders, flipping. Are you guys noticing that in some of these smaller conferences? That like, hey, if they beat them on the first day, they're definitely losing on the second day.
1: We we definitely try to track that and and keep it in our minds. It when we, we Matt, the one of the other guys in the weave, does a lot of the real like data work. So he's you know pulling all these these matchups from the the season's history, a, a database, and saying like, oh, actually it doesn't flip quite as often as you think you should still mostly treat every game like its own independent entity. But I do think there has been an edge for unders in the second game. Um, I'm not sure if that goes off of like, if the first game goes over, then the under has even more value. The one thing I will say that I think has been decent is if there's like a huge blowout one way, or, or it does go super far over a total, sometimes there's edge on the other side just because of the way the books move the lines where if a game is minus nine and the team wins by 35, they'll open the next one to 10 and a half because they're like, all right, well, we got to guard against, people are going to be all over that. So suddenly instead of nine that you got a day before, you could get plus 10 and a half. And that's kind of like the point and a half of value that really does matter. And totals move way more. I think some of those totals will move like four or five points between the two games. So keep an eye on that. That there's a potential uh, an angle for value there, I think.
0: Youngstown State, Wright State comes to mind. I got sucked in on uh, Youngst- on the Penguins' second game, and it wasn't
1: pretty. I, there's, there's one other decent edge we found of if a, if a team, like a favorite, loses outright, like Wright State did to Youngstown, usually they're pretty angry in the second game. <laughs> and maybe the underdog's, like, content that they got a they win, uh, and then, you know, off the favorite goes in the second leg.
0: Maybe they're thinking about the biggest econ test of their life. Who knows?
1: Gosh, that, you you tell me supply and demand, and now I got to answer questions afterwards. That's unfair. Yeah. You know, where do you go from he- now? I, I, I'm thinking about here and now. I don't know where I'm going. I, I'm going to the bar if I just <laughs> took an awful econ exam. That's where I'm headed.
0: Uh, well, hopefully there's a bag man at the bar. <laughs> um, Hey, so a uh, few games I wanted to run, uh, run down for today's slate. Uh, uh, bouncing around the, the country, get some ACC, big 12. Uh, we're going to start a 10 Richmond laying 11, over under 155 uh, at St. Joe's. Man, I was on Richmond against LaSalle. I thought that was a layup. And then LaSalle out of nowhere. um uh, uh, what's his last name bingham bing benham Bingham for for la I, I
1: i know i brickus they've got um uh trying Binghamton. to think
0: of ten he he had like 19 and 10 uh my buddy cj holmes for the athletic was typing up a nice thing about him uh, where'd this Lasalle effort come from i mean it, richmond played sloppy uh gilliard just making errant passes uh KO couldn't really get going. It was it was tough.
1: Yeah, that that one kind of shocked me. I I kind of think Lasalle is in the dregs of the A10, and Richmond's supposed to be like an at-large contender in that league, and they need to take care of business against the dregs of the A10. So that was that was shocking. I think Richmond was coming out of a COVID shutdown, which we've seen. I I wouldn't say it means a ton because I think we've seen a decent amount of teams play just fine coming out of their shutdowns, but. It seemed to affect Richmond, and maybe it does affect a team like that that's more reliant on precise offense and timing and the way they run their Princeton offense. Uh, but it, for this one against St. Joe's, I, I lean towards Richmond, especially if Ryan Daly is still out, who's the best player on St. Joe's, getting a hard cast off his thumb. Mm. I, I think Richmond can kind of cut him apart. St. St. Joe's defense is very, very bad. And against a team like Richmond, has got experience, it's got scoring they were really cold in that LaSalle game. I, I think they kind of get back on track. Uh, and as a big road favorite, you know, it's tough to take a ton of points like this, but I, I will lay the 11, I think here.
0: I don't know the exact numbers. I haven't looked them up, but it just feels like I, Richmond last year was just like, it, it might as well be illegal. I felt like catch me if you can with them. That was just print money. Cause they were just, they were a lot more in depth at hitting the outside shot, the the three shot. And I feel like this year I'm just watching the games here because it's local. So I get all the games and it's it's like, you know, fingers crossed, let's hit it. Okay. (laughs) Daddy needs this. Daddy needs his medicine. But this year, not so much. Um, But yeah, I'm with you on Richmond. Uh, Kentucky travels to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide, uh, laying eight and a half over under 147. Only question I have for you in this one, does John Petty hit 39 three-pointers?
1: I think it's only going to be 38. I, let's not okay. get greedy here. Yeah, Yeah. well, you know. <laughs> I I Fair have point. been the the Alabama drum beater pretty much all, all, since the offseason. I was like, this team is awesome. They're going to be top 20 good this year. And then to start the year, they – didn't play very well in Maui. They lost to Stanford, barely beat UNLV. They lost at home to Western Kentucky. And I was just like, okay, I was wrong. I yield, I give, I knocked their rating down. I wasn't betting on them. And then since then, they've gone on just a tear, just shredding the SEC. Uh, it, it seems like this is another matchup where they can I mean, they've already blown out Kentucky once. The part that is is wild that I didn't expect with Alabama is that they play great defense. Like it, that, that didn't seem like part of their... Thing coming in, but they play very solid defense. They will they will make you work for good shots, and Kentucky can't get good shots, which is their their whole ultimate problem right now. So, if anything, I think Kentucky score, struggles to score a little bit, and Alabama is they they can pretty much score on anyone as long as a couple guys are hitting shots, and they've got seven shooters. So, as long as four of them are hitting, then you know, look out. So, I, I would lean towards Alabama just because I don't want to bet against them right now is really what it comes down to. Yeah, it's a tough
0: play, especially since Kentucky coming off a big win at home. Maybe this gets them going, but I know the Bobcat will be betting Alabama regardless. So
1: Yeah, this it, we, this is one, like, if I just took my preseason ratings, would I make this line? I probably would have it, like, pick them or something like that. So mm-hmm. to see minus eight and a half, it's, it really leaps off the page. It's like, maybe I should be leading towards Kentucky. And I probably do in a number sense, but I just, like I said, I don't want to bet against Alabama in the zone they're in.
0: Here's one that really kind of threw me for a loop when I saw it. Texas at home against Oklahoma, Lane five and a half over under 143. I, Oklahoma has really, I mean, they're steady. They, they don't really do anything amazing. They don't really do anything bad. But Texas has been a highlight reel with Greg Brown. And, and I know Shaka is out for COVID uh, reasons for the game is that just is that line you think just indicative of Shaka being out
1: yeah a little bit and I I know Texas had some player absences their last game I think uh, Greg Brown missed and uh, maybe Jericho Sims I'm not remembering off the top of my head but they had a couple guys out I would assume they're back because they've had their you know their layoffs those guys hopefully are back with the team but Oklahoma's just been weirdly good lately they they missed Brady manic or lost him to COVID tracing contact tracing. And they like played better. They put a fourth guard in the lineup and their defense just went from like zero to 100. The teams just can't score on them right now with all that quickness on the court. And they've got a lot of length in that backcourt. So they're, they're really making it hard on teams, Texas though. They've kind of earned my trust at this point. I, I wanted to be skeptical of them all off season all at the start of the year I was like ah they're just you know a bunch of really good athletes but their guards are making shots are taking care of the ball I've been way impressed by Ramey and Coleman and of course Andrew Jones tip of the cap to him the, the cancer survivor so yeah yeah I mean I, I made this like exactly five and a half so I, I have no numerical lean on it but I, I guess Texas at home is a, is a home favorite does scare me I would probably lean the Sooners just because they, they've been feisty as a dog lately
0: I like it I like it uh Duke hosts, uh the yellow jackets giving 5 over under 141 and a half uh Georgia Tech's been a lot better than I think people expected this year and you know we talked about Duke earlier uh the one thing I will say is Jaron Johnson is he's he's a hell of a ball player if he can get the ball inside Goldwire is still like an okay shooter he's pretty decent, but outside of that, I, I, it's tough. This normally would be Duke by a billion at home, but lane five, Georgia tech coming off a, a, you know, a nice little streak here. I would lean Georgia tech. Where, where are you?
1: I am too. I, Duke's covered one game all year. They just, they continually have been, you know, overvalued. And I was a part of it at first, you know, I was, I was backing them a bunch. The only time I I bet against them early on was Notre Dame, which was the only game they covered. And I was like, you know what? Not doing that again. But I took Louisville against them this weekend and that I kind of got lucky at the end. It was a close game the whole way. Uh, So the gate Louisville to cover was nice, but this one, yeah, Georgia tech's been really, really solid. They play a funky one, three, one zone defensively. That's it's kind of hard to score on if you're not cohesive offensively, and you're not good at moving the ball. And I don't think this Duke team is that right now. So yeah, I lean towards Georgia Tech actually, which also shocks me. But I just I don't want to bet on Duke until they prove they can play a good game. I, I just haven't seen it from them yet.
0: No, I'm right there with you. And I wanted to wrap it up. There's some team from uh, Missouri traveling down to the Plains. They're getting to 148 and a half. Your Tigers, man. Wow. I mean, it, coming off a big win against uh, Tennessee, really dominated that game. Uh, I, I know Jeff did a, a big show today uh, talking about what, what the hell's going on with Tennessee, but Missouri is catching a really good Auburn team now with Sharif Cooper. This isn't the team we saw you know struggle and lose to UCF earlier this year. This team is they run, they gun and he's really opened up things. I, I feel like this is an overplay. I really don't have a side in this, no offense. Uh, I am just going to root for the points.
1: Yeah. No offense taken because I, I kind of lean the Auburn tigers in this one. I, I still think they're a little undervalued by the market and just because it's, it's hard to account for how important Cooper is for that team. He makes them like eight points better. Just, he moves everybody down one spot in the pecking order. He's perfectly comfortable being the alpha dog and, and they've got a bunch of other solid guys that were miscast previously. And my my Tigers, as much as I love my Mizzou Tigers, I'm pumped about them this year potentially being like a two or three seed at this point. Their resume is way better than their performance. Unfortunately, they they are not quite a, a top shelf team yet. It, just in terms of the way they they the games play out. I mean, the Tennessee one was incredibly impressive. I was blown away by that. I was very impressed. But typically, road Mizzou is not very good, and home Auburn is scary. So I, I would I would lean towards Auburn here, and, and yeah. Overs with Sharif Cooper on the court have been pretty great so far. I think I think it's only three and two to the over, but before he got eligible, they were like one and eight with, with all those games going. Oh under. yeah, they so, were bad. So he's he's really changed everything for them.
0: Uh, one last thing, uh, wanted to get your take. Wednesday, VCU hosting Massachusetts. I was on the Massachusetts as a fraud bandwagon. Davidson puts them out. Uh, I responsibly feel like i need to wager a car on vcu responsibly responsibly you got to do it responsibly but a a motor vehicle on vcu
1: yeah so wager a honda accord not like a tesla
0: mate well i'm you know a, <laughs> a car a vehicle of uh, some some to- type of motor uh vehicle that gets get you to a to b man i watched who who is it? Um forgetting his last name. Uh the the real good player from Massachusetts. Oh, Only Trey Mitchell. Trey Mitchell Mitchell. Trey Mitchell hurts yeah, yeah. his uh, shoulder in the last minute and a half of the game. Um that didn't look good. No. Uh that did not look good, especially when he's trying to shoot and he's like, Yeah, you know what? These free throws that are really clutch and key to win the game, uh, I'm I'm gonna head to the to the house yeah, here. Couldn't
1: do it. That was shocking, yeah.
0: VCU may roll them. Uh, is that is that a sound play? I, I feel like this is like Texas, Southern, Mississippi, Valley State free money, you know,
1: <laughs> territory. So UMass, that was another team we kind of got into it with preseason where their fans always think they're a top four A-10 team just blindly every year. They're like, this is our year, this is our year, this is our year. Hey, Marcus um, Camby's coming back. Yeah, yeah. And, and like in their defense, they are very talented. They they have a Wichita State transfer point guard. They have one of the most underrated freshmen in the country in, in Javon Garcia, at least by recruiting rankings. They have a top five player, top three player in the conference and Trey Mitchell. But their coach is not good. If they play well-coached teams, they are in trouble. And Davidson is a very well-coached team. That's why they ran them out in the second half. And VCU is a very well-coached team. I mean, they, they play a little more helter-skelter than Davidson. They play up and down. But... VCU can almost match them for talent and they are much better coached. So I would certainly lean towards VCU. I mean, obviously uh, I made the whole point about numbers earlier. So make sure to keep an eye on that number. Don't, don't bet anything exorbitant, but yeah, I, it's, I'm just kind of not a believer in UMass either on the road against a, a team that is good athletic and probably should be motivated. Uh, I know they blew a game to St. Bonaventure recently, so they, they need to take care of business. Yeah, I would lean with you on the Rams as long as it's not not sort of a, a crazy spread.
0: Well, I can't thank you enough, Jim, for coming on. Uh, I know you're on SBR Picks. Uh, that show is daily, folks. That I I watch it every single afternoon, uh, either at the gym or while the kids are sleeping. Uh, Three Man Weave, again, where's the website? Where's the Twitter?
1: Yep, it's uh, 3-man-weave.com. We are Awful at marketing ourselves and having a, an easy to remember URL, but it, you know, maybe the dashes make it stand out to people. So three man dash Uh Twitter is three MW underscore CBB as three men weave college basketball. So there is a little bit of a, a rhyme or reason to that one, at least. Yeah. We've got the, the daily SBR show on their YouTube channel. We've got a Saturday show with fade the noise on FTN. That, that's a little longer because of the big Saturday card, the podcast. Yep, yep. Three Men Weave College Basketball Podcast. Wherever you you listen to podcasts, we should be there. We've got we write for Action Network. We write a little bit for better IQ. We're we try to have our toes in as many different ponds as possible right now and, and just get into the people's brains one way or another.
0: Well, I and I will say it, I'm a guy who I didn't I lost money on college basketball. I stopped betting college basketball. I, I just I gave up last year. This year I got into it and and I'm up. And Great. Uh, I credit three man weave, I credit, uh, you know, you guys, and certainly uh, big man on basketball and, and learning how to look at numbers and what, what lines mean and, and just becoming smarter about it. It's, it is a big hill to climb, but there's, there's easy steps you can take to get there. And I, I thank you for your, your guys's work because it's helping.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Glad to hear it. I and mean, I think what you said you do is super smart is focus on a couple of leagues, it, especially the ones that you watch a lot. You know, the teams, you already start with a feel, a good base for them. Just, just pick a, a conference or two and try to really get into those and analyze those because then you can really build on the knowledge year over year. And, and it, it's just, it, it gets easier and easier as you go.
0: Well, Thank you enough, Jim. I- Hopefully, we have you back again. I'd love to talk a little bit more and make fun of Coach K more.
1: Gosh, uh, I'm always here for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, right after a short break, Sean Belizean talking lions and wings. Today's episode is brought to you by Dreammaker Racing, the New York Bread Specialist. From top quality New York Bread racehorses, Hall of Fame trainers, and unmatched hospitality services. Dreammaker Racing has everything to offer when it comes to owning a racehorse. Have you ever imagined what it's like to see your horse cross the finish line first at racetracks like Saratoga or Belmont? Well, now you can. Dreammaker Racing will put you in the winner's circle. Call today at 518 587 5550 or visit dreammakerracing.com and let us make your dreams come true today. All right, joined at this time by our great friend. You can catch him on Woodward Sports. He is killing it with his main man, Joy Bell. Also, he's doing the Smoke Show with a lot of guys. Uh, Mike out there, shout out to Mike in the Smoke Show. He's a connoisseur of rare and assorted meats. This is great (laughs) Sean Belizean. Sean B., how are you, brother?
2: Uh, You know what? I learned all my stuff down south, man. Who's kidding who? I I learned from some of the best... uh, in Oxford and Athens and uh uh yeah so it's uh, I I love it I mean seriously I could I could talk barbecue all the time don't get me started because we won't get to the sports topics
0: <laughs> well it is a good show I mean when we were talking last time uh just over a month ago mm-hmm. we were talking a little bit about you know you had just started with Woodward Sports mm-hmm. and that's really growing fast like we were talking off air uh I was one of the you know few folks that that was paying paying attention i saw it tweeted out and i started watching it's gone up four or five hundred percent and we're only a couple weeks in very exciting uh you got scott bischoff doing draft shows you've got uh mike and the boys i call him dirty mike and the boys doing the smoke (laughs) show uh and then the show every day with joik and it's fantastic how how's that process going for you and is it kind of like are you rejuvenated? Is the juices yeah. flowing? Yeah.
2: No, it's funny you say that. I mean, you know, Al, honestly, I, I've been so blessed in my almost 26 years in, in this business. I've, I've done television, I've done writing, I've done radio. Uh, this is something different, you know, and, and it allows me to, you know, stay at my other job. You know, I, I I'm still in radio at, at, you know, one of the, in my opinion, one of the best radio stations in the nation. And, from a historic standpoint in WJR. So, um, this, this is something fun. Um, you know, when they said, um, do you want to be involved with Joyke Bell? I jumped at it because, you know, I I had a chance to call Joyke's games in college and I think everybody knows his story, you know, former uh, Detroit Lion amongst a few teams. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was, to me, it was a no brainer. It just works perfectly with my schedule. It allows me to, you know, if I have a game to call or, um, you know, I have to do my radio gig, whatever the case may be. It allows me to, to, to kind of do some things. It keeps me busy, but it's fun. And, and, um, you know, thankfully I'm at that, um, point in my career where, um, I just want to have fun. Like, honestly, yeah. I just, I really, I just want to have fun. You know, my, uh, I've been able to do uh, a lot of really cool things, but, uh, let, let's be honest, uh, father time waits for nobody. And I'm, I'm closer to the end than I am the beginning, but, uh, I want to have fun until I don't do it anymore.
0: Well, don't worry. I think this is going to be a perfect stepping stone to get that Habs announcing gig. (laughs) Um,
2: Hey, you know what, Al? I think we've talked about this before. You know what? I've called games in the NHL. I I can die a happy man. Like, honestly, that was uh, when I was a kid, that was one thing I wanted to do and I've done it and I'm cool. You know, I mean, I, I mean that I I'm cool. Um, uh, it was fun, but boy, I'll tell you what, as somebody who likes his his family life and likes spending time with his kids, that's not real conducive <laughs> for that for spending a lot of time with your kids. So yeah, i'm I'm hey, i'm I'm really cool, but thank you.
0: Uh, you know, a lot of busy weekend, a lot mm-hmm. of stuff happening on top of what we saw, you know in Kansas City and in uh, Green Bay. For our lions, which we've talked about, you know at length before. Gosh, in the span of a week and a half, this entire franchise is completely new. And I'm scared to say this. They've made competent moves and are doing the right thing. I love it. I,
2: I, I'm i in the same boat as you. I mean, I'm so used to hammering or questioning the moves that they made. But I think if, if you take the time, you can kind of understand why each move was made. And, you know, when you bring in a guy whose specialty is the draft as a general manager, and then you bring a a guy in uh, that can stand next to him, who's done that and built teams. And when you take a look at the, at the staff that, that coach Campbell's putting together, you know, chock full of guys that have great relationships and, and, and reputations in this business or have formally coached before as well. I mean, that that's, pretty stinking cool now again listen it, it it's 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 all off the field stuff you you want to be able to celebrate some on the field stuff and i don't think the lines are going to do that for a couple of years i really don't um you know that coupled with i know we'll get to it uh, the stuff about matthew stafford they're in for a rebuild i mean make no mistake about it um you know this is going to be uh, this is going to be a tough year probably a tough year next year as well i you know i think the best you could hope for is maybe how the dolphins turned around in a short amount of time, but granted they had a bunch of extra picks and, you know, maybe even the Cardinals as, as well. I wish uh, the lions could find a bill O'Brien to make a, uh, a crazy deal with, but uh, those, those don't grow on trees. So it's going to be arduous, but I I like the brain trust that they put together. And, and I'm going to say it again. I think we said this the last time we talked, I'm not going to judge uh, Sheila Ford hemp on, um, the, the same trajectory that you judged her father. That's not fair. I, I wouldn't want somebody to, ju- to judge my children that way. You know, don't, don't blame the kids for the sins of the father, so to speak. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, right now they're not sparing any expense. I, I think you have to like what they've done, but at the end of the day, it, it's all about, are you able to make it transfer onto the field?
0: I just, I worry that I'm getting catfish. Like, like those weird dudes from MTV are going to show up, and and really instead of 24-year-old Tiffany, I'm talking to 48-year-old Timmy. And it's, it, I'm really concerned about it. I mean, yes, you know it's nice that, and I thought they're them bringing on Jimmy Dorsey, who has a a, a lot of experience. I don't know that it's amazing or, or that he's done a you know great job or great history. But he's a guy that's competent, that can at least uh, be creative with the cap, and, and they're going to be in a decent position next year uh, for the cap. But for you, was Matthew Stafford uh, deciding, like, hey, it's time for me to move on to greener pastures? Is that really the, the, the one thing that was the tipping point for whether the rebuild was going to start now or next year?
2: you know what? Um, and I know you watch the show. Um, you know, you're, you're just talking about the show, uh, as you can attest, we've been talking about it for a few weeks. I, yeah. I think if you read the tea leaves and I was quick to say this many times, okay, this was no inside information. This was not anybody whispering into my ear or anything like that. I didn't want to, and you have friends in high places. I, I well, you know what I did? I, I I'm telling you, it, it, this was just tea leaves. It, I, I think it was time. And, and to me, a lot of it had to do with what Matthew Stafford didn't say when, when these moves came. And uh, with all due respect to Ian Rappaport, I, I don't think um, coach Bevel coming back would have had anything to do with it. I yeah. just think it was time. I really do. I think, I think it was time. I don't think he had the stomach to go through yet another lion mini rebuild. Um, I, I, I don't think they even, you know, thought that was right for him to do. And maybe it was best for, them to kind of turn the page and start looking to the future. So um, now with that being said, you don't just give Matthew Stafford away. You, you have to find a good deal, make it work, you know, for all parties involved. Uh, Matthew is one classy guy. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I think the world of him, I think he's, you and I have talked about, it, I think he's a good quarterback. I don't use the word great. I think he's a good quarterback. No, I agree. I I'm there with you. If he goes to the right place, they can have some success. Um, Uh, He just hasn't had a lot of help around him here. He I mean, there's just no other way to say it. He hasn't had a lot of help around him here. And uh, he is a guy that these aren't just words. I I wish him all the best. I mean, he and his wife did so many things for this community. Uh, They really did. And I, I, I hope he has success elsewhere. I, I, I do. I mean, I, I don't know if I could stomach him winning a super bowl. I, I think I would vomit for a day or two if, if something like that happened, but no, all jokes aside. Um, I, I, I don't think it was a surprise to anybody, Al. I, 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 don't, I haven't talked to, you know, a lot of the beat writers and the guys that, you know, were there day in day out, but I, I don't think anybody was surprised by this. It was, um, you know, I, I think you saw it coming, going all the way back to November. Truth be told, I, I had a chance to talk to Matthew, on WJR back the last week of November. And, um, you know, he said the right things. It, to me, it was what he didn't say that jumped out to me and made me kind of draw the conclusion that we may be coming to the end
0: of, uh, of the Matthew Stafford era here in Detroit. You, you were pointing out on the show Saturday, the draft preview show, a series you're running with Scott Bischoff, who is a very smart talent evaluator and, and draft guy. Uh, you were pointing out, and and I echo the same sentiment um, as others as you did. Last year was a year to get a quarterback, not this year. Yep. Uh, but now, because you know that Week 14 game against Atlanta, we just had to win. Uh, we're now <laughs> picking seventh, and there's a real fear that you if you like Zach Wilson, somebody else is going to like him too if you, if you like fields and so on and so forth. Yep. I mean, Matthew Stafford's going to bring a haul. What what do you if you're if you're taking over the team what are you doing with with the picks? Where are you going? What needs to be that point of emphasis for when the Lions go to draft?
2: Let me go back for a second and just reiterate something that you said. Um, Last year was the year to do it. How often do you find yourself picking at that spot in the NFL draft? It's not very often you can stink and they stunk this year. Okay. And find yourself picking seven and and maybe not being in a position to grab that guy. You know, I mean, although as fate would have it last year, you know, Justin Herbert would have been available, but you, you get the point, but to me this year, I, I think you, you have to wait and see what happens. You know, what, what is the top seven going to look like is, is um, Trevor Lawrence will be gone. I'm convinced Zach Wilson will be gone. I'm, I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt. Heck fields might be gone even before seven. Well, then what do, do you go with one of the guys in the next year to say, this is the guy that we, we think can be, you know, the man. And, you know, this is where I think, number one, you have to trust your talent evaluators. If, if if you know, they're looking at a guy, let, let's say Lance, uh, they're looking at Lance and they say, listen, this guy's a stud. Let's take him. Then take him. You know, I mean, if that's a guy, this is where you really, you have to trust your people. I don't know enough about him. You know, I, I said that when I did the show with Scott, I'm going to let guys like Scott talk about him that have seen him, that have watched film on him and, and everything. I'll, I'll let guys like Scott talk about it, but if that's the guy, if you think that that guy can be a franchise quarterback, then you know what? You take him. you know? Um, If not, you know what? Maybe you wait a year. Maybe you go get that veteran and you say, you know what? We're going to bite the bullet this year. We're, we're probably going to suck this year. Maybe one of the picks that we get is a high pick for next year from Stafford. There, There are so many what ifs that I think come into play here, but uh, first and foremost, if there's, if there's a guy sitting there that, that, you know, you really love, I mean, I mean, let's not forget what was Mahomes ninth overall. I think Mahomes was ninth overall. If there's a guy that you love, then take him. you know, I mean, and and you now granted you have to live with the, you're the guy that picked that guy. I mean, ask, you know, Joe Dumars about that in basketball with, with Darko and, and everything, but, um, Ryan Pace. Yeah. Right. I mean, there, there's so many, there's so many guys that, that you, that you, you know, you're just going to have to deal with, but you have to trust your scouting department. I don't know where their scouting department is on those guys. I think we'll find out after the fact, but you know, it, it's amazing how um, you're hearing so many different things about some of these guys. So you and I were talking about Mac Jones, you're hearing different things about Mac Jones and, you know, some guys have him here. Some guys have him here. Uh, Trask same thing you know Some guys have him here some guys have him there A, a guy like Lance is really um, He's a wild card He's hes totally a wild card And um, You know I, I, I think you're going to have to have A pair of brass ones To to, to take him seven overall But who knows maybe, maybe Somebody jumps ahead and takes him And one of the guys you didn't expect to be there is there uh, So there's a lot of What ifs but I, this isn't something that's going to be fixed in a year. You know, I mean, uh, I think they're going to stink next year. I think, quite frankly, Al, I think they're going to stink by design next year. Um, but, well, I think Chase
0: Daniel is just wow, he'll light it up.
2: <laughs> the reason he's been a backup forever you know i mean i i love him he played for we, my boy coach pinkle but there's a man, reason like we can, why he's we been can a pull out forever. that
0: missouri uh that Mizzou uh throwback tape that 2013 tape man yeah, that that
2: that uh, uh, coach pinkle's my boy so uh um yeah it'll it, it's it's interesting though i mean all jokes aside it's 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 interesting how um many different ways this this can go this year but i i think they they've got some pieces on the offensive side of the ball they don't on defense you have a bunch of hopes on defense you know you hope a couple of the cornerbacks uh something comes to fruition with them um you hope a quora something comes to fruition with with him but you know the rest of it is what do you have there you know and that's the unfortunate thing right now
0: so I, I wanted to bring up it uh, just as another draft question. I, I, we talk a lot about, I'm a guy who subscribes to the idea that like, if you're drafting them in the top 10, it, it really, it really has to be one of those key positions, your offensive line, your edge rusher. I, I can go, I can live with a, a outside linebacker. It needs to be a quarterback. If if you don't have if you don't have your guy in in those spots, then fine. Yeah, I, I can I can live with you going outside the box and getting a wide out or a corner or safety, etc. Last year, picking Okuda third, it, you just can't take a corner third. You just cannot do it. It's like take Hey, let's take T.J. Hawkinson, tight end eighth. I mean, he could be Gronk, and it's still probably objectively like a bad analytical pick but do you subscribe to that and how do you reconcile that with you know where they're picking seventh because you know there's very easy uh, you know kind of scenario that works itself out that you know you probably don't have the quarterback you want there's not really any stud defensive ends edge rushers o lineman is kind of a reach there with sewell off the board do you still how do how do you work that into how you process like you know all your draft because you're gonna be doing draft stuff all year how do you process
2: um last year it was it was obvious to me that matt patricia and bob quinn were in save our job mode okay So I didn't understand why they felt like Jeff Okuda would be the guy to save their job. Um, Rookie cornerbacks struggle. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, for every, for every rookie cornerback that came in and made a difference, I can name five that didn't including a guy that they took in the second round that, that Al, I think you'll remember people wanted to run Mississippi state's own Darius Slay out of town after his first year. I mean, he had a disastrous year and you don't have to, you don't have to believe me. He said, so yeah, I I just talked to him last week. I mean, he, he said, I had a bad rookie year. He goes, I was benched three times in the first three weeks and they're on an Island and you know, it can break some guys, but then they can bounce back and, you know, become darn good players, which I think Darius Slay has, has, has shown himself to be. I'm not giving up on Jeff Akuda. I, I I think it's crazy. Anybody that wants to throw a guy out after a year anyway, I mean, I it, are you new to football? Um, but I didn't understand that pick last year. If your goal again was to save your job, was to show progress this year, was to take a step this year, Jeff Akuda wasn't going to help you out. I mean, it's just that simple. So on one hand, I get the logic. Okay. They took a guy that if the Lions didn't take him, I guarantee you he would have been taken within the next few picks. I guarantee you people thought that highly of him, but again, this goes back to what we were just talking about. You can't talk about other guys. You're the guy that took him and you're the guy that took him under the guise of you were going to help your team in 2020. Jeff Okuda was not going to help the Detroit lions in 2020, especially this year, especially with not having the normal lead up to the season. Um, You know, you're on an Island as it is. And he was really on an Island with this COVID stuff. So, Um, to me, I I think you have to look at every possible scenario, right? That's number one. And number two, you, you have to always assume that the unexpected is going to happen. You have to always assume that now I think the likelihood of the unexpected happening between picks one and seven goes down. And certainly last year there was, there was no surprise with one and two, but, but I, I think the unexpected factor goes down between one and seven but if you go up a little bit that's when you somebody's going to come in and look try to play the role of the smartest guy in the room it happens every single year I mean it it just does whoa wow where did this guy come from and things like that so seven is a really intriguing number this year because you know again I I think you're going to have a chance at a quarterback who if the Lions don't take him uh, I guarantee you, he'll be taken shortly thereafter. Whether it be Fields, whether it be Lance, you're going to have an opportunity, perhaps, at at what a lot of people feel is the best linebacker in, in the in the draft. And at that point in time, Al, then you go, well, do you really do you really take a linebacker at that point in time? And, and
0: we have that hey, conversation. Worse said, we got, Gerard Davis. That poor guy. I I. You know what? I, Bad scheme. He uh, got put in yep, the worst scheme.
2: I, I feel so. Al, I use the I use the analogy all the time. He is he looks like a dog chasing cars out there. He just does. He looks like a dog chasing cars. It, it's and and he works his tail off. He's such a nice guy. And uh, Al, I've looked at him a couple of years in a row. I'm not joking. Just when you think the guy can't come into camp in any better shape, you see him the next year, and then you see him this past year. I mean, he is he is a physical specimen. It isn't working. And it reminds me a lot of you know Kyle Van Noy coming in here. I was just about to to say that. Yeah. And they put him in positions that he didn't, yeah. You know, is Kyle Van Noy a superstar or anything like that? No, but you need to hit on draft picks like that. You absolutely need to hit on draft picks like that. So, um, you know, the difference between Van Noy and of course, and Jared Jared Davis is is where they were taken in the draft. So at the end of the day, it it hasn't worked here. Is it salvageable? I hope so. I I hope it's a scheme problem. Um, But, but he, they constantly put him in positions that he shouldn't have been in. I mean, he's, he's not a coverage guy. I mean, when they had him out in coverage, it was, what are you doing, man? How many more times do you need to see this guy get lit up like a Christmas tree downfield? So, you know, it's unfortunate. And, you know, Tavai was the smartest guy in the room pick. Let's be honest. I mean, Jelani's a a really nice guy, but I'm not doing my job if I tell you anything other than he doesn't look like he belongs in the national football league. I mean, he just doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't look like he belongs in the, in the National Football League. So, you know, that's where we're at right now.
0: One, one last question here. I, and I, I heard uh, one of your, you know, industry-related uh, fellows uh, in Detroit say this, Mike Villani, and, and he said uh, about a week ago that Quinn and Patricia may go down as the, the most horrific tandem. Uh, you could make that case in easily the last 20 years. Now, we remember the Millen days. So, I mean, that's lofty. You got to put him in there. Uh, But when you look back and you sit and look at where the team is at now and where they were three years ago and right after firing Caldwell – is it, is it really that bad? Is it, yes. did they do that bad of a job? It, now,
2: is it as bad as Millen? No, I, I, I disagree with Mike there uh, wholeheartedly. And I, well, I
0: didn't see, I didn't see you out uh, in the last three years with bags on your heads leading up March. <laughs> it wasn't as
2: bad as Millen. I mean, all, all one has to do is take a look at the, the 2008 draft or 2008 lions. Look at that roster. It was so bad. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, there was a young Calvin Johnson, and Jason Hansen and just a, I mean, really a bunch of garbage. I mean, it was, there's no surprise whatsoever why they went 0 and 16. Was it, was it bad though? Absolutely. It was bad. Oh, absolutely. I I think um, the free agent signings were, uh, you, you just shake your head now, you know, where there's some victories in there. Well, sure. There were, you know, there I I think you have to say Frank Ragnow was a good pick. I, I think you have to say Taylor was a pick. I think you have to say, you know, Kenny Galladay later in a draft was one of those. Jonah Jackson. Yeah. you know, know, I mean, I, what I always do, especially with the young players is good or bad. Let's talk about it next year. You know what I mean? That that's, it's almost like what we were talking about earlier with Slay. Let's, we'll revisit that next year. You know, I I think we have a better idea and maybe a a better light uh, to, to cast those guys in good or bad. Um, But at, at the end of the day, it, and, and I'm going to tell you again, I have admitted this to everybody. Al, I'm going to admit it to you. I was all in on Bob Quinn. I was all in. I I had conversations with Bob Quinn uh, quite often, especially after he started. His idea of what he wanted to do with this team was perfect. And and I, I it was music to my ears to hear him say nine and seven isn't good enough. I have been yelling at lion fans about this for years. It, it, it drives me out of my mind somehow because Matt Patricia was bad. Okay. And he was horrible. Somehow that makes the Caldwell era better. Huh? No, it was still not good enough. You know, I, I've never understood that logic. You can say it was better than Matt Patricia, but it was still not good enough. And I think lion fans, uh, do that far too often. You should demand more. You should say nine and seven isn't good enough. You should say just going to the playoffs isn't good enough. So um, the ideas that Bob had for this team and the follow through that Bob had for this team were two entirely different things. And I, I think, in my opinion, Bob's biggest mistake was bringing in Matt Patricia. Uh, uh, Matt 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 Patricia is not a head coach in this league. I don't. There, there's. Nothing that anybody could say that could make anybody think that Matt Patricia is a head coach in this league.
0: Well, you know, I think that story that Joy told today about Steven Tullock, uh, which is well worth a, a listen because it's very illuminating to how, you know, I took that story as, well, that's Mickey Mouse clubhouse over there. And that's just what was going on. Um, well, I, I want to move off one horrific thing and talk about another horrific thing. This Red Wing team, oh. sweet Jesus. I mean, this Blackhawks team just gets blown out to start the first week and a half of the season. The Wings go into the United Center, and I'm an idiot because I, I put down, I, you know, I said, hey, Wings are going to hit them hard in Chicago. This is they because they were playing well. I I think you can say that second game of the Columbus uh, series that they uh, won, played well. They played well in the second game of the Hurricane uh, opener. I I thought, okay, this team isn't going to be too bad. Grice, Bernier, uh, the defense is playing well, a little sloppy offensively, but it's okay. And they get ran out the barn in Chicago. And watching the games, I mean, the one thing that stands out is when they're on the attack and when they're pressing that forecheck, Sean, I want to get your opinion on it. It looks like an AHL scrimmage. Pucks bouncing over sticks, just a little bit behind, just a little bit in front. Guy wants to try and do something. He wants to spin around take a wrist shot he's finding uh you know the defenseman sternum with it like it's just it, it looks like a bunch of guys out there that just they don't they're not getting it and blashill you know god bless him. there's no coaching that's going to help you with that it's just guys just not getting it
2: i see i feel the same way i i think too many people are are trying to put the blame on jeff blashill i do are, are there things to point the finger at with coach sure absolutely there's a talent issue on that team. And, and Al don't tell anybody it's by design. It yeah. really is. And it's Steve Eichmann kind of knows what he's doing and uh, they're going to get themselves another lottery pick this year. Who knows? They might get another one next year as well. I think what was very um, disconcerting that Blackhawk team's horrible. Damn they are. Bad. They're not, they're not a good team. I, you know um, you know, they still have the big stalwart back on the blue line, but you know, he, he's what 37 years old. Look at their goaltending.
0: I mean, they, they don't have anything close to I, an NHL. I love yeah. the Subans. bands uh, in NHL 21. I'm, I'm rocking the Sioux bands. I love PK. I love Malcolm. Malcolm yeah. is not an NHL goaltender. No, he's not. No, an NHL goaltender. No,
2: he's not. But I, I mean, that's, that's, I think that's the thing that that's got to frustrate you. So I think, it's one thing to lose to the Hawks. It's another thing to kind of get spanked by the Hawks. And that was very disconcerting for me because I, I was one of those people, Al, and I'm going to stand by it. I look, are they going to be bad this year? Yeah. I didn't think they were going to be as bad as they were last year. And, and, and I'm, I'm kind of worried about that now, to be honest with you after the last couple games. games. Um, but we'll, we'll wait and see how it plays out. But that was incredibly disconcerting to me because again, uh, this is not, this isn't a good Hawks team at all. It, it, it just isn't. And, you know, I, I, I get it. You, you still have, you know, DeBrincat and you still have Kane and you know, everything, but this, this isn't, I, there's just no other way to say it. This just isn't, they aren't, they aren't a good team, you know? And, um, and so that, that was disconcerting to me. I, I think all Red Wing fans should be worried about that. You know, it's, Again, it's not the fact that you lost, it's the way you lost. Both those games. And I, I know yesterday was a stinker. I thought Friday was a stinker. I, oh, I thought God. Friday was a big-time stinker. You know, they, they made it cute towards the end, and, you know, it got a couple and everything. But uh, two ugly losses against an ugly team.
0: I, I just – I'm worried that – and, yes, I know what the plan is going forward. But I think I think the hope is that at least you get a glimmer larkin asserts himself in the captain role you get some young guys to to show up and and play you know a guy like uh, philip Horonic. Mm-hmm. that you can go okay well this guy's gonna be here part of the build it, it's hard to it, it, it's hard to look at it that way when they're and this is a team that goes on some runs man i mean you look at their schedule coming up two against the stars then you got the Panthers and the lightning. I don't even want to think about the lightning game. I mean, I don't want to see this team get into that, that spiral, that death spiral that we've seen them get into the last yep. few years. And it's, it looks like everybody's just like, you know, night of the living dead out there.
2: Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, it, it, it really does go back to, you know, I, I'm going to say that like, look at what they've been utilizing as their top line. And I, I, Al, I don't know if you and I have ever had this conversation before, but I've had this conversation with many people and, and, you know, two years ago, even in the last year, people still argued with me. I really like Dylan Larkin. I would take Dylan Larkin on my team. Dylan Larkin is not a first line player. He just isn't, he, he isn't, you know, Dylan Larkin is a great leader. Dylan Larkin is a, uh, a heck of a player. Again, I can't say this enough. I'll take him on my team. Um, but, He's not a first-line player, you know. If if, in my mind, if you you know you're going for a championship or something, is is that the guy, you know, that 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 you want out there? I think he's a a damn good two C. I do a damn good two C, and I think around here people used to kind of get offended and you're a hater and all that stuff. I think people kind of get it now. I, I really do because it's not a knock against him. I think I don't think I know. I think a lot of people in the Detroit area are very guilty of overrating their own in the last 10 years, trying to make Danny DeKaiser into something that he isn't, you know, Uh, trying to make Timu Polkinen into something that he isn't. I I think that uh, wings fans in, in, you haven't
0: seen his slap shot. I remember he's
2: going (laughs) to score 30 goals in the league. I I remember all that (laughs) stuff. And uh, you know, and and it's funny, you got to remember people would say stuff like that to me and I'd go, um, are you sure you're talking to the right guy you know i've done a little junior hockey and i've done some i've done some international stuff have you seen
0: the skills competition
2: in the ahl yeah right you know and you know i I haven't looked up what Timu's doing lately i i think he's is is he over in the khl now? i think he's i would imagine that
0: seems like a good landing yeah but
2: i mean all jokes aside it it just people people have kind of done that you know i want to see more out of zadina Um, I I really liked him I still like him please don't misconstrue I'm not I'm not mailing it in he's still so stinking young but I want to see more uh, out of the early part of the season,
0: yeah through the early part of the season I I, I've been pleased I you know I, I I'm not gonna say anything negative or anything great about him so far but he hasn't it looks like he moves the puck and he knows Mm -hmm. how to move with it. I'll ask you one question before I want to wrap up with some quick thoughts on, on the broader NHL, but you, you mentioned Larkin's a two C guy for you. Is there any player on this team? That's a, a first line guy. No, right now. No, no. I'll let you include Lucas Raymond.
2: No. Well then, you know, I, I, I think, <laughs> I, think the, I think Zadina could grow into it. I do. Yeah. I really, I, I really right now today and, and, and please consider, I love Tyler Bertuzzi. I love Tyler Bertuzzi. He was one of my favorite players to watch in the OHL. I, I, I firmly believe Anthony Mantha is a change of scenery guy. I just do. I, I think he's a change of scenery guy. Sometimes there are guys like that um, I think he's a change of scenery guy. Um, Bertuzzi
0: reminds me of like a dog without a leash, just you want, running. You so he, want that he, guy. Yeah. He, 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 he just, run, he goes, he goes straight at the defense. You know,
2: you, you do. Yeah. You, you, you want that guy. I mean, I mean, no, I mean, I would be lying if I said otherwise, there's nobody on that team's that's a first line player. You know, yeah. there's nobody on the blue line that, that in my mind you could sit back right now today you could sit back and go, yeah, I feel really good in that top pairing. And, and again, I, I'm i telling you it's by design. I'm telling you. They, in, in two years, we're going to be laughing at some of the – we're going to be laughing at some of the hardships because Steve Eiserman's going to have this team going. I tell people all the time, especially look at all the ex- expiring contracts after this year. There's a bigger plan. The guy knows what he's doing. Um, I, I, I tweeted it out the other day. I'm buying into the Eisen plan 100%.
0: No, and, and Steve, we trust. Uh, quick wrapping it up, I, I want to get your takes on, on the broader NHL. What's surprised you? What What are you watching? I mean, the Habs look like uh, they're going to score 15,000 goals this season. <laughs> um, with Toffoli's been a, just a revelation. Oh. I, I don't know what happened in that flight from L.A. to Montreal, but he, he's a different cat. What what are the things that that are on your mind as you've been watching the first week and a half or so? I've, I've joked
2: for years that, that um, Mark Bergevin has put together a team that doesn't like scoring. They just don't like to score. They've got, they've got Carrie price back there and uh, that we don't like to score. We're not big fans of scoring. It's been fascinating to watch how electric they are now in the interest of being fair. I think, part of their explosion came at the expense of a Vancouver team whose blue line was decimated. So, you know, it's very early, but, but I mean, they have 29 goals in six games and that, that's, that's saying a lot. I think Washington looks incredible. Um, I think to myself, if, if Washington had King Henrik um, they might be unstoppable, honestly, uh, I'm a little, I'm a little dismayed at, 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 at Colorado. Um, I I really thought that they, they would be the team to beat this year. I I really did. Uh, They were on the cusp last year and, and their time is coming. There's too much talent there. Their time is coming, but I've seen them a couple times now. And Al they're, they're just, man, they are. I mean, both games I saw in there, man. That's it's the best way great. to say it's, it. So.
0: It's not a great idea to start slow in this very short season. No, you're absolutely right. No, you're absolutely right.
2: Leafs are all right. I've seen them a couple of times. I, you know, I haven't seen Vegas yet. I'm, I'm going to make a point to see Vegas soon. Um, you know, I think everybody knows what they have at their disposal, but um, I, I haven't seen them play yet. But, you know, when you look at the standings and the top of the standings, you know, it's, it's what the Habs and the Leafs and, and Vegas and, and Washington, I think all – right there washington's
0: just a point behind are, are you concerned about washington's defense because every single time i catch them on tv they're giving up three four goals i mean they went they gave up uh three and four on a back-to-back with buffalo and i buffalo's a good team Buff, yeah. buffalo's got some players on there but uh yeah it's it, it really doesn't it, it's not inspiring confidence this uh, caps d uh in general
2: no, and like I said, I I think if 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 King Henrik was back there, that would really help them out. Now is he the guy that he was even a couple of years ago? No, I mean that's no, he, he just isn't. But he would have been a better option back there. Um, but I I don't know, boy, they they can play any kind of style with you. They're 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 still they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, you know, let, let me tell you, I'm I'm not counting the caps up. That's for sure.
0: And and my apologies to Tom Wilson. He is a fantastic human being. <laughs> yeah, I you got. We've me talked on the... about that, right? Yes, sir. We you know, <laughs> I
2: I I know hockey fans don't like to hear this. Okay, he is one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet. I, I'm not, no exaggeration. He is just, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. He knows what he's doing out there. He knows what he's doing. <laughs>
0: Uh, I want to wrap it up with this, you know, Michigan just started allowed, uh, you know, sports betting, uh, you guys at Woodward sports are, uh, you know, supported by, uh, my bucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I, how has that experience been for you? I, I, did you, you know, put 20 bucks on a, on a game? Like, is that a different thing for you? Is that I, not I, something? Al, you're I
2: never, ever, ever
0: thought that we would see this day. Never. I'm serious.
2: Never, ever. You know, you have to remember we haven't, we haven't really had the chance to experience the sports book yet because of this whole COVID thing. It's if I'm not mistaken, I think when everything started to get shut down, it was the day after the sports books open and then they, you know, promptly closed right after that. So we, I haven't had a chance to experience the sports books. I'll go down there. Um, I think that's one of the, you know, things that
0: great Town with, uh, Barstool shout out. Yeah, they've got MGM and, um,
2: it is, it's amazing. And, and, you know, the crazy thing is, I mean, Twitter has basically turned into what are you betting on? It's it's (laughs) incredible. I mean, seriously, everybody's talking about their bets and everything. And it kind of reminds me of when fantasy football started to blow up and everybody was boring, everybody with their, with their, um, you know, this is my lineup type of thing. So uh, the excitement is real. Um, I, I think it's about time, you know, uh, like everything else, you do it responsibly, you know, I mean, it's easier said than done for some people, but it is, it, it's amazing that I can just, you know, pull up my phone and go, yeah, you know what? I feel really good about this game tonight. You know, I look at my phone, ah, I'm going to put something on it. You know what I mean? So it it, it really is. It's, it's absolutely Amazing. I will give you a funny story. We were we were I had a buddy over the other night and it was the second of, of the Montreal Vancouver games and it was like the nine thirty game and like five minutes before the game um, you knew they were banged up, but then you saw what their, what their roster was. And I immediately went on there and I was like, they don't have a defense core. There's Quinn Hughes and a bunch of corpses. Are you kidding me? Habs minus goal, I, minus goal took money line and they ended up winning seven three. And so I, I hit the trifecta with money line, uh, given a goal and a half and the over. So it was uh, it was a fun day.
0: It's a it's a beautiful thing when a plan comes together, Sean. Yeah, it's not very they, often that it does for me, so that was that was pretty cool. What do you think? What do you think sends Canucks tonight? Uh,
2: you know, um,
0: two like teams we that talking, really disappointing me.
2: Yeah, like we were talking about, uh, you know, Vancouver just doesn't doesn't have a whole lot on their blue line. I think. Ottawa's doing the right thing. I I think, I think they're probably going to suck again too and and get themselves another pick, but you're starting to see them, you know, replenish some of the the talent. I love Kachuk. Love the kid. Absolutely. You go to war with a kid like that. I, I, 1000%, you go, you go to war with a kid like that. I know Zadina took it personally that Ottawa didn't take them. I would have taken Kachuk myself. I, Brady, Brady's just a gamer, a uh, big, mm-hmm. big fan of his game. And I, you know, I, I he plays so much like his dad. I, I I think he can pop goals like his dad as well. Um, so, you know, there are some pieces, but it, it is weird to see those two being the only game in town tonight. It's like, mm. but the Canadian division has been a heck of a lot of fun. It's, it's been it. a
0: heck of a lot of fun so far. I'm convinced the flames and, and the Oilers and the flames and Canucks are, there's going to be a massive brawl multiple times. It's <laughs> going to be great. Sean, I miss
2: Smythe Division hockey, man. I, I oh, that's so what I good. grew up with. Uh, I miss uh, Smythe Division hockey.
0: I I just give me give me CBC at ten o'clock, right? Here, here, you got uh, it, Sean. Where can people find you, man? Where where is where is the knowledge, the greatness that is Sean? Oh. Well,
2: you're too kind. You know, I'm on Twitter, and then uh, as you said, Woodward Sports and WoodwardSports.com, and. Ah, uh, seven sixty WJR, and chatting here with you. So I, it's always a pleasure to catch up, my friend.
0: Hey, it's always good times, man. I hope you keep nailing them, bets. Uh, we will be back next week. Another show. I think Darren McCarty's coming on next week, but you oh, know, D- I know, I know you know D very well, and he he's he can be tough to get a hold of. So we're we're aiming for next week, but. We'll see from there. So for Sean Belisian, for Jim Root, three-man weave, I am Stu. We will see you next week.